A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Fearless Curious Soul. Goldilocks Productions presents The Deep Reading. <laughs> Connecting you to your soul show. Hello, this is Suzanne Wyman. The Deep Psychic, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Please think about the commentary that you relate to. I want you to feel included and know that if this conversation resonates to who and what you are, then you are part of something greater than yourself. The universe is connecting to you, answering your prayers, answering your questions. So today I have a story with a wonderful guest, somebody who's really quite near and dear to my heart, even if they don't know that, they are. Um, it starts out as a love story, and it ends up with a man with a mission to save part of history. So um, I'm inviting people to call in if they've had a medium experience, any sort of an experience where they have talked to somebody on the um, other side and include yourself in this conversation. This conversation is about life and living, <clears throat> but it is also about how the people that are living life feel connected to the people on the other side and want answers about what it's like when somebody passes over. So um, I am sitting here waiting for my first guest to join me, and um, we're going to have a great conversation Please pick up the phone. Please dial in to 206-806-9965 and include yourself in this conversation. So here we go. Let's uh, bring Dale Flat onto the show today. Hi, Dale. Are you there? I am here. Oh, fabulous. Uh, you are actually the only person... Uh, from my high school past that I have any sort of a connection with. And um, considering how turbulent uh, high school years are, you would think that I would have a few more connections, but I don't. You're it? Well, golly gee. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I like I like the fact that your story starts out as a wonderful, wonderful love story. 
between two people, and then it turns into your mission to take and be the person who is the keeper of the cemeteries, the gatekeeper. You are the gatekeeper. So tell the us the story. Yeah. You are the gatekeeper. Um, in Hollywood, that means something else, and it's not necessarily yep. a friendly term. But you are a gatekeeper in the most positive and friendly sense. So share the story of your parents very um, briefly. It's a lovely story. Sure. Um, my parents, um, they got married in the early 50s, I guess mid-50s. Uh, I was born in 58. My brother was born in 57. So um, they fell in love, and they always wanted six kids. And so my mother dropped out of high school, not that she had to, uh, and they started a family. Um, the first couple of years, my father was in the Coast Guard, and then he came back to Southern California, and the family lived in Colton, eventually went to San Bernardino, uh, where they bought a house together in 1966. However, in 1970, my father presented with what would become a cerebral aneurysm, and they couldn't fix it at the time. So he was hospitalized for nine months, my mother stayed by his side. Uh, all six of the, the kids, we lived with aunts and uncles and grandparents during this whole time. Uh, and my father, passed, he, he actually uh, coded five times, and the last time was the final time. Um, and so my mother never remarried. Uh, she raised six kids on her own. None of us went to jail. All of us did pretty fair. Most of us are retired now, I think. I think all of us are retired now. Um, and so, uh, yeah, it, it, it was an interesting relationship, and it, it gave me a lot of insight on uh, strong women in my life. Okay. <clears throat> so there's one part of your story that I really like. I like the year of the story that your parents bought the television set. Oh, yeah. So, so um, <laughs> yeah, this, this, it's kind of the comedy part of the story. So my my brother, Tony, was born in 57. I'm born in 58. And then a brother was born in 59. Uh, but the next brother wasn't born until 61. So the, the running joke is they bought a television set. Um, <laughs> and, then, and then the sisters are two years apart as well. And so uh, uh, for whatever reason, women back in the day, they just cranked them out. And they always wanted six, and they got six. And uh, four boys lovely. and two girls. It's absolutely lovely. And uh, what a great story of inspiration of your family because then your mother had to start over. She had to start over with absolutely nothing, no ability to drive, no education, nothing. Absolutely. She, she uh, like most women back in the period, um, she got married and they only had one car and there was no reason for her to learn how to drive because dad was always going to be there. And so that was a really important lesson for me because I watched my mother have to get her GED. And then she went into nursing and... Uh, worked in mental health, and she worked at Patton State Hospital and, uh, and the community hospital and, and maintained two basically full-time jobs uh, for most of her life. And then she got to the point where all of her kids were grown up. She was able to retire and, and, uh, and uh, live out the rest of her life. Wow. And it has, I think it's been three years since your mother passed away. Is that right? I believe so. I believe so. I think June June is three years. That's what I remember. But <clears throat> you know, I'm I'm not sure about that. But I just remember it roughly being three years ago. And what a great family! I really like your brothers. Um, I really um, enjoy any conversation with you. It's fabulous. But 
it led you on to a journey. Um, first of all, it led you into a piece of spiritual awareness. And um, let's talk about um, what are called um, spirits from the other side. Some people call them ghosts. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. Talk about that from your perspective, not a person. So it, it was kind of interesting. I, when my father passed when I was 12, and so I remember going to the hospital frequently with my grandparents because we were staying with my grandparents that year, my younger, less handsome brother, Michael, and I. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyway, um, uh, it was always hard for us because we were minors and they had to sneak us in. You know, okay. and we really weren't we really weren't told the severity. You know, we just knew that Dad was sick and and that he was having surgeries, but he was on a ventilator for seven of nine months. You know, that wow. should have let us know something at that point. But um, when he passed, um, it was uh, like a, it was on Thanksgiving, and then it was many years later. I was home, and um, I was in the Navy, and I was home on vac- home on leave. And um, the, uh, the gas meter was leaking outside. And so uh, we called the gas company, and the guy shut it off, and he um, um, replaced the meter, and we were having uh, our turkey dinner. And he wanted to come in and light all the pilot lights, you know, the, the hot water heater and the furnace. And I said, no, don't worry about it. I can take care of that. Go ahead and go home and enjoy your meal. And later on that night, of course, I had the tryptophan turkey overload, and everybody went to sleep. And then the phone rang at 2 o'clock in the morning. And I woke up and I go, Jesus, it's cold in this house, you know. And I realized I forgot to light the heaters. And so I picked up the phone and my mother, who was working at the hospital, said, your father just told me it's cold in the house. You need to light the heaters. Wow. And so all throughout her life, my mother had a debilitating stroke and made a 100% recovery years later. And so my mother felt his presence the entire part of the rest of her life. I mean, they, they were they were married in a Catholic church. We were all raised Catholic. We all just kind of drifted away afterwards, except my mom. Uh, but um, they had one of those bonds that, that, you know, I've never seen the like of since. Everybody wants something like that, but it's very rare that you can find something like that. <clears throat> very good. Very great. It's a great – I mean, the, the thing that I like the most is that um, – you're talking about a great love story. I mean, mm-hmm. this is an inspiring love story. Two people that believed in love and believed in family and believed in their God strongly enough to follow it all the way down the days of their life. And yep. um, it created an in- interesting, to me, a very interesting inspiration for you because... Um, because of your your love of protecting um, what a cemetery is really about, so you know, just you know, I don't know anything about cemeteries. The only thing I can tell you about cemeteries is that when you're driving down that 405 and you're headed towards um, Getty Center Drive, because I love to go to the Getty Museum, to your right is what looks to be miles of um, the VA cemetery, and um, each, you know, headstone has a cross on it or a six-pointed star. And, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and it's the most beautifully maintained 
um, piece of land, and I have no idea of how much it's worth today. Um, but that, to me, has always been an interesting comment. And then, of course, I love walking through cemeteries because they're just so beautiful, but I don't actually know anything about cemeteries, not a thing. So educate us. So, um, you know, I uh, got involved with those cemeteries because I really like the artistry on the stones, you know, and, and reading about people's lives and, wow, they live to be 105 or, geez, you know, this is a bunch of infants. and Why did they die so early? And so I was always interested in them, and, and there was one right by the church where I grew up in San Bernardino. It was an old pioneer cemetery, and it was very overgrown. And um, I left and went in the Navy after high school, and I came back, and I, I went by the church, and, and the cemetery was gone. And what the city had done was um, uh, uh, they had basically removed all the headstones and bulldozed it and turned it into a park. And then they took the headstones and placed them in the ground and around the place. Uh, and it was, it was, it was a, the old pioneer cemetery, but you couldn't tell who was where anymore because uh, one of the key things I got out of a book, I'll change gears real quick, there's a book called A Cemetery Should Be Forever. Um, and it's written by one of the guys who, who is instrumental in the Forest Lawn Cemeteries out there on the West Coast. And his statement is one I, I use all the time. It's, Cemetery is the only piece of land that you sell once that you're expected to maintain forever. Hmm. And when you think about it, you know, you look at the big, beautiful VA cemeteries and all the rest of that stuff. Well, those are funded by the U.S. government, and, and they have a vested interest in them, uh, the military and whatnot, in order to keep those things looking very clean, very pristine, because we want to honor those who fought for our freedoms. Right. But if you look at an old family cemetery or the Pioneer Cemetery, like the one in San Bernardino near the church, um, once you get past the second generation of family members, people stop coming, hmm. you know? And so and then, then you have to factor in that we became a mobile society. When you look at these old 1800 cemeteries or the early 1900 cemeteries, the people in those communities, a lot of the kids or the adults uh, – found opportunities outside of that city or across the United States like I did. I ended up in Austin, Texas. And so we, we run into a, a point where very few people go back and visit, so no one's really standing up for them. And that's what the city of San Bernardino found out was nobody was going to maintain that cemetery. There was nobody to go water it and weed it and mow it. And the, the large, tall monument started getting leaning over and causing a risk. So they basically disassembled it. Uh, mm. And fortunately, uh, starting about the 1980s, I think, we started seeing preservation laws where those things are being protected as part of our, our historic fabric. Um, and so I came in right at, you know, not too far from that, about 1998, 2000, is when I got interested in cemeteries almost full time and uh, working toward preservation of cemeteries. Okay, so um, <clears throat> there's a really famous cemetery in Hollywood, and it's where a lot of Hollywood stars... Um, Hollywood River. Yes. And yeah. I used to, used to drive past it. I was working, um, I was working as a psychic in a hotel um, up in Hollywood. I was working there for almost six years. And I would drive past it to get onto the freeway to go home. 
And they went through a huge legal conflict about, you know, who was supposed to maintain it. And um, I remember in the 80s, there were different people that were, um, I, I guess you'd call them fans. They were people who really loved a movie star, and they would go out to the movie star cemetery, and they would weed around the cemetery and put fresh flowers out and try and do some maintenance. But the thing fell into complete and total disrepair and had to um, be taken away from the people who owned it and given, uh, sold to another owner, and then it was refurbished and it's now maintained. Mm-hmm. That's the only story that I know that goes along those lines. But So tell me this. This is what I kind of wonder I wonder if this is more of a um, west of the Mississippi problem rather than the um, east of the Mississippi, because people on the east coast, when I went into Rhode Island, there were cemeteries that went on that seemed like it went on for miles and miles and miles, but a family would make arrangements to be buried, and you knew that you know if you lived in this area, your family was buried in this cemetery. And that was... So do you think it's because this side of the country is by far more mobile that we have lost our connection to cemeteries? What do you think is the cause? Well, no, I, I think I think it's uh, families die off. Uh, here in Austin, we're kind of smack dab in the middle, okay? And so right. one, one of the cemeteries that, that, that I'm very much still involved with is from uh, 1839. It's the year the city of Austin was established. Okay. And and that little track of land was 14 acres. It was two miles outside of the, the edge of town because of the noxious vapors and the miasma that would emit from the earth. You know, nobody nobody wanted to get sick. Uh, this was all, again, before um, uh, uh, embalming, which became popular during the Civil War. And so, but I just came back from a, a seminar in Savannah, Georgia, you know, okay. and they've got old cemeteries out there that are beautiful and that are still being used today. But again, once you once you sell out of a cemetery property, you've got nothing to sell. And so once you don't have any more income coming in, how do you maintain that property? And what is the standard of care that you're going to do? Huh. And so jump, jumping back to Hollywood for forever, that's okay. a prime example of a place that was probably – Utilize almost every square inch. Uh, in every cemetery, you're going to have some lots that are vacant because perhaps somebody married someone. Uh, the husband dies first. Uh, you know why men die first most of the time? Tell me. Because dear. we can. Tell me. Because we can. <laughs> uh, and okay. so, um, anyway, so the wife remarries and she ends up being buried next to somebody else. Okay. And so, so you're always going to have vacancies inside of a cemetery but hollywood forever is one of those great success stories where you're right they, they went into bankruptcy nobody was taking care of it they reorganized and i'm not sure who or, or what the the entity is but basically a 501c13 is the cemetery corporation they can take it over now what they're doing is they're having festivals out there they have a beautiful day of the dead festival they actually bring in a portable screen and show movies of the people who were buried in the cemetery, and they charge admission, and that's how they're raising money. Uh, a lot of the older cemeteries, if they have a lot of character, if you pay attention, a lot of movies will show scenes, Hollywood movies will show scenes in the cemetery where somebody is 
killed or whatever. And the production companies pay the cemeteries for those rights to do those things. So even after your park is completely filled up, there is a way to generate income. But what you actually need is a, a different business model, a master plan, a preservation by which you can create that income and, uh, and uh, prioritize your needs. Okay. So let me just throw something out there for, for a second, the preservation, the cemetery, the different types of cemeteries. But basically you're saying that um, we need to preserve them because they're the holders of our history. And, I mean, most people don't really understand how young America is because, you know, they haven't spent a lot of time traveling in Europe or um, Africa or any of those things. And so, so they think that a cemetery is kind of like an old place. Um, but it, it, it is really a very relatively young place, but it holds our history. And so, I mean, I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, well, I, I don't think that people are necessarily, not all people are necessarily comfortable like you are with the cemetery, um, you know, but most people are kind of afraid to go into a cemetery. And you know, the cemeteries they show in Hollywood are just absolutely gorgeous, well-maintained, beautiful mm -hmm. works of art. So um, so what is, the, what is the reality of being able to um, enjoy a cemetery? Is that possible? Well, of course. The, uh, you know, back, back turn of the century, um, people used to picnic in cemeteries. Family members would go, and they would actually picnic on the family gravesite and the older generation would introduce the ge younger generation, uh, in theory, to the, uh, the people who came before them. They would learn about their ancestors. Uh, and again, it's very cultural. If you look at the Hispanic uh, culture, and they have the Day of the Dead. And so there's a lot of different things that will uh, apply to different cultures. But, um, you know, it's... It's, uh, some people are really freaked out about it. They don't like it. Uh, I ask people all the time, when's the last time you visited your grandparents' grave? And they go, well, the day of the funeral. You know, that's it. That's, that's the only time I went. But they're not comfortable with it. But cemeteries get rebranded into places where people can go walk and exercise. We're seeing a lot of that now with the COVID, with, with the parks and the other things are being closed. People are walking through the cemeteries. Uh, as a place for exercise, and it's quiet. And in a lot of cities, the cemetery is the only part of the town that really hasn't changed in the last 100 years, you know, if it was laid out uh, in the early 1900s. You know, high-rises come and go and buildings come and go and apartment complexes and everything else. Uh, but, and again, this is a commercial cemetery. This is a, a city cemetery, uh, not a for-profit cemetery. In my area, it was uh, largely agricultural, back in the day, there were family cemeteries scattered all over the place. And there's a house in a, in a subdivision that has 35 bodies in the front yard. It's a little part of a family cemetery, but it's a big, deep lot. So they built the house on the back side of the lot. Okay. <laughs> you know, we've, we've got them in, in, in grocery store parking lots uh, that used to be part of a big farm. They just put a fence around it, and in the middle of a parking lot, there's a cemetery. Right. So I kind of have a love for cemeteries, and I like to go and look at cemeteries. Uh, probably one of the cemeteries that I think is the most beautiful is the cemetery in Northern California, 
Uh, it's Oakland, and it was designed by the same man who designed Central Park. Um, uh-huh. So there's architectural examples, but there's many things. But I think that what you know I'm hearing from you is, um, you know, there's not much of a, you know, like you said to me one time, you said, well, would you like to get a bill about your, you know, your great 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 grandmother? Um, you know, maintenance on her uh, plot of land and needing money and so forth. And I thought, I don't, you know, today, I don't know if people actually know who they're, I don't know my relatives. It's been kind of an interesting journey for me. I don't really know. And so I think that um, I'm trying to think of some people that um, I know today that actually know their, you know, their many generations back relatives. The only person that comes to mind is a great um, human potential leader, um, and she um, is a descendant of Sam Houston, and mm-hmm. her name is Houston, of course. But, I mean, that is such a, that's such a strange... I mean, that's, that's the only person I can think of that would really be interested in you know, um, and, preserving. Yeah, and I work with a lot of uh, and again, I'm not a genealogist, but in in my my dealings and working with other people that have the same interests. Whereas I'm I'm hands on. Let's go clean some headstones. Let's you know the easy ones. Let's reset them and let's turn out a epoxy some things back together. I've got friends who are genealogists, and they can walk through a cemetery and, and show me all of their family members and how wow. he's connected to and things like that. So that's kind wow. of the the, the the uprising or the, the the surge in all of this this stuff is a the internet. Um, there's a website out there called Find a Grave, and okay. you know often oftentimes you ever think about something. Why didn't I come up with that idea? Because <laughs> well, I mean, think about it. This it happened years ago. This somebody created a website called Find a Grave, and then he made it so anybody could go take pictures in a cemetery and 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 create a page for that cemetery and post photos. And then people would start making the connections and people start putting the genealogy together. And it was brilliant. And then the Church of Latter-day Saints bought the whole damn thing out. I don't know what they paid. I hope they paid a ton of money for it. Um, But nowadays, if, for instance, I had a, a friend that I knew when I was a senior. You and I went to school in Torrance, California, uh, in Redondo Beach, South High School. But that was I was I was spending my junior year with my grandparents who I'd stayed with when my father was there because I wanted to see some of the classmates I knew from from uh, elementary school. Mm-hmm. Back in San Bernardino, my senior year, I met a whole new group of friends, and somebody posted a picture of this girl on Facebook, and I go, "Whatever happened to her?" And they go, "She died." And I go, "What happened?" They go, "We don't know." And it was through find a grave that I put her name in. And I was able to go out and find when she died. I was able to pull up her obituary. And so the Internet is really helping people make those connections to uh, their ancestors or, you know, like Facebook does for people like you and I. You and I had lost contact, but I think we found each other on Facebook, if I, Facebook if I recall. You, um, uh, you have some interesting, um, interesting determination because – in the end, my um, family structure was not really very sound, and I attended nine separate high schools. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't have any connection with uh, anybody, you know, uh, from my high school years. 
And um, you're the only person who ever, you tracked me down one time through um, looking up my phone number, and then you tracked me down a second time through Facebook. And that's how we've been able to remain in touch. Um, so mm-hmm. that, that is kind of an interesting piece of the story. So I've got a question for you. It's sort of a curiosity, but it's also sort of a, a question about the concept of mediums and so forth. Um, I, I mean, personally, I'm, I've not gone to a graveyard and hung out looking for spirits. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, have, I happen to find that if um, a spirit has a message for you, they don't need a graveyard to give you a message. I mean, they'll show up in a right. dream. They'll um, they'll they'll give you um, they'll give you a sign that only you would understand um, whether like it's like you said uh, the smell of something um, or just um, just that moment where it's like wow that really brings back that memory and that that is a spirit giving you a message from the other side telling you you know this is okay this is just part of life but I I wonder are there people who believe that they can see spirits at the graveyard. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we had, um, uh, at one point, when we were trying to raise awareness about our cemetery, and it's, which mm-hmm. is managed through the Parks Department, we had somebody contact St. Austin Cemeteries, which is the nonprofit that I started, um, mm-hmm. the ghost hunters. You know, you see these ghost hunter shows all the time, and they just, okay. oh, they're, they're, they're tiring. Uh, okay. And so we had some ghost hunters that wanted to come into the cemetery and do some stuff, but they wanted to come in after hours and at night. And that's always a hard thing for you to, to make a decision on because ideally you're representing the families of the people who are still alive. And the last okay. thing they want to see is great-grandma's headstone uh, being shown on some documentary, sensationalism. Mm-hmm. And so... We, we, they, we got approval to let these people into the cemetery, and my wife was one of these people. She wanted to go, and so I, I stayed at the gate, made sure nobody else came in. And there was uh, 15 people with cameras, and they were walking around and table quarters and a bunch of other things. My wife ended up coming back with a, a camera full of orbs on it, you know, and I go, oh. you got water on your lens. And she goes, no, 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 look. It, it's, if I had water on my lens, th- there would be the same dots on the different things. She was walking with my niece, and um, she heard somebody whisper in her ear, and she turned around to talk to my niece, and my niece was not there. She was 30 feet away. She says, it's time to go. Uh, and I've got, I've got other people that, you know, that come into the cemetery, and, and uh, some of them are just nuttier than a fruitcake. You know, they talk about, oh, well, there's a baby over here, and he was three years old, and she's just making this stuff up, you know, I think. Right. Uh, so... You, you kind of have to play that by ear. It's kind of like using uh, uh, two sticks and a divining rod to, to find graves like they find water. There are people right. that are very good at that, and there are people that are just, in my opinion, you know, they're elevated and go to the top floor. Okay. Well, that's a that's um I, I you know that's such an interesting thing. So because I don't do I don't under, I don't do any medium work in the sense of actually going to a location and experiencing something. And there's some sort of a, a surge in energy in, in the focus on that. And the people that are good at it, I mean, people that are really good at it and do mm-hmm. ghost tours and so forth, they're really good at it. But, okay, we're going to break it up with a little comedic story for a moment here. And I um, was living in a neighborhood, and my, <clears throat> my next-door neighbor 
was a person who mowed the grass at the um, VA cemetery. And um, it's, it's kind of an interesting job because the grass always needs to be mowed, and I think you understand that one. So, yep. um, so he, would, he would be mowing the grass, and periodically he would encounter, um, you know, a group of film students or photography students, and they, they would be doing some sort of a display on um, some tombstones. And he, you know, he would stop his mowing, get out, and say, you know, what are you doing here? And they'd say, well, you know, we're filming this. This is art. And he goes, I don't care what you call it. You're not doing it at my cemetery. Out. So um, I, I, I think that there has to be a world where we show this sort of respect for what the process is, because a cemetery is an extremely expensive arrangement today in the world. Um, I've always heard that Italy only allowed um, people to be buried in the ground for five years. After five years, out they come. In Commerce, California, which is an industrial area, there are church groups that have bought um, pieces of land to use them as um, cemeteries, and one of them is um, a temple for their Jewish um, attendees, and then the other Mm -hmm. one is an Orthodox Greek Orthodox Church. So if people have come up with different solutions um, to this dilemma and how to maintain control, but I don't know. I really don't know if there's any great answer, but the beauty of these cemeteries is amazing. And Forest Lawn, um, first time I went to Forest Lawn for a memorial service, I saw some woman out front taking and feeding the um, swans. And I was like, what is this? <laughs> but um, that was the celebration every week of going to the cemetery. And, uh-huh. you know, it, it became a social activity. So, I don't know. You have, you have a complex job. Tell me, you know, first of all, obviously your early story of your life, you know, totally changed your perception about what death and the cemetery and everything was about, but tell me what your dream would be for the cemeteries in Austin, Texas today. What would your dream be? Well, we worked worked hard to, because there's so many little tiny cemeteries that are in pockets of land, uh, one of the first things myself and, and others started doing was to document them very well and to photograph the headstones and more importantly, map each site. Because not all of them have uh, owners. Some of them are what is classified as abandoned property. Because you don't pay property taxes on them, nobody keeps track. And so over time, somebody who has an adjacent piece of land may want to need a few more feet. So the headstones disappear, the boundary lines get blurry, and you, you lose something. And then later on, you find out that, oh, my God, then they put in a swimming pool, and they ran into bodies. That's you know the movie Poltergeist. <laughs> and so, it happens. It happens. That is just a total. I'm got. I got to tell you something. Disrupting where somebody's remains are kept um, energetically. I imagine that there's some real consequences attached to that. I mean, I, I just. Yeah. I mean, you're supposed to take and put people into the ground, and then leave them there to rest for eternity. That's the story. Well, I mean, so let's go, let's go back to the concept of, of the church, you know. You, okay. you have this nice big box, 
with a silky lining. You lay somebody out in their best clothes, and they're waiting for the resurrection. In most cemeteries, people are laid out east and west. They head to the west, their feet to the east. So in the second coming of Christ, you rise from the grave to face the east where Christ will be in the sky, right? But wait a minute. If, If the body is in the ground and the soul is in the ground with the body waiting for the resurrection, now wait a minute. Didn't you just tell me mommy, mommy is up in heaven with the angels? Well, what are we doing here in the ground? So our perceptions have changed a whole lot as a society as we've gotten away from organized religion. The other thing that's really taking over is cremation. People aren't going to spend ten, twelve thousand dollars $12,000 on a hole in the ground, you know, and, and, and having somebody embalmed. And, and my mother, after the fact, after she was done with the, the funeral years later, she said, she kicks herself in the butt for spending the kind of money she did, you know, because she realized that, that what was left was a shell, you know, and she had to, to honor, the, honor the, the man that she loved by depositing the shell in the ground for, for um, sanitary reasons and for social standing a little bit and things like that. But she had six kids to raise, and she just kicks herself for being talked into the upsized wallet cat, you know, or a coffin or whatever it was, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So now people are choosing cremation, and we're not using cemeteries. We're scattering dad at his favorite fishing hole. Our mom is, is over in the Rose Garden. Or believe it or not, they have this problem at Disneyland. People are sprinkling cremains inside of the Haunted Mansion ride because they advertise there's 999 ghosts, there's room for one more. Google it. Uh-huh. They have a hard time every year with people sprinkling cranes and, you know, going, hey, you know, Dad's in the haunted house. It was his favorite ride. <laughs> so the, the, the sanctity of the burial is not what it used to be. Um, and um, so we're changing. And some of the people in the industry are really suffering because they've invested in, in, in um, funeral homes and big motor coaches and all the rest of that stuff, and people are choosing – a simple cremation for $700, get together at the local pub, show pictures, tell stories, and then my mom is still sitting in the urn at my brother's house. She's not in the ground. She's not in the niche. You know, at some point, we'll probably put her in a VA cemetery, but I can't put her in with my dad. There's no room. <clears throat> so um, tell me, tell me the... Um you sent me over this picture, and uh, you're dressed up as a um, old time person. I don't know exactly what era it's supposed to be, but you're dressed up, and you're, um, you know, obviously there's a little bit of theater and a little bit of art and a little bit of uh, romance wrapped up mm-hmm. into one ball, and you're taking and trying to get people to come out, find their inner thespian, and mm-hmm. um, take and do a little mini-drama out there at the cemetery. And so is there a day, let's say, let's just say, I'm going to bestow upon you the power to take a day and say, on this day people can come out and play out their drama. What day would you choose? Obviously we can't choose All Saints Day because that would just get, that would just get too complicated. Yep. But what's the day you would choose where people come out they honor their family, and they play out their own little drama, and they get a chance to reconnect to their family's place inside of a cemetery. What would you choose? Well, in the Hispanic culture, that would be the Day of the Dead, of course. 
yeah. the picture you're referring to, and if people go to uh, the nonprofit's website, which is SACHome.org, um, mm-hmm. and we have tours uh, right before Halloween, and they're not boo scare tours. You don't run into Freddy Krueger or any of the other hash and slash people. Uh, I'm, in, I'm, I'm a tour guide in that photo you're referencing, and, mm-hmm. um, and so is Bob. He's the guy standing next to me. We do a program called Murder, Mayhem, and Misadventure, where we will take a section of the cemetery and we research people who were shot, killed, drowned, died of disease, or whatever, and we put an actor or an actress at the gravesite, and then as a, as a tour guide, I bring people through the cemetery, I teach them about architecture, and then we'll stop at some place and somebody will tell the story about what life was like when this person was alive, you know. Wow. Uh, whether it is somebody who was, there was a woman who was standing at the gravesite and she's got a broom and she's sweeping, and then she kind of looks at everybody and she says, oh, you're here. And, okay. and she's kind of in a daze and she talks about how her husband and her two-year-old daughter, you know, were standing on the front porch watching a storm front come in. You know, the wind started to blow and the skies got dark, and all of a sudden there was a loud boom. They were struck by lightning. The father and daughter were killed instantly, struck by lightning on their front porch. (laughs) And so she tells the story of that. And then, of course, I follow up with there was a tree there, and I was out in the cemetery years ago, and lightning struck that tree just a few feet away from that grave. You know? Uh, we've had mass shootings in Texas. We were the Old West, you know, so there was lots of stories of shootings and stabbings and uh, the Bordellos, you know, the Johns that died in, at the Red Light District. So there's all kinds of entertaining that we do, but it's done tastefully, but it's done free of charge for the purpose of educating the public about the beauty of the site and the history of Austin. With okay. the guys that... In the future, the Parks Department is going to have to put out a bond election to repave the roads or to do the fencing or anything else. And I want people to come visit the cemetery. So if they're asked to approve a bond, which is going to raise their taxes a little bit, to, to do work in the cemetery, they may think, wait a minute, I've been there. That was a cool place, and that's worth saving. And that's what a lot of preservation is, is just raising awareness. So tourism is one of the best ways to do that. Because a lot of people that visit the cemetery don't have a connection to anybody in that cemetery. So you would choose October to be the month to go and tour cemeteries. Well, yeah, that, that, that's for Halloween. But, you know, here we have the Alamo. I, mean, I grew up learning about the gold rush in, in California. I came out here and I have to learn about the Alamo. So we got one of the ladies who was a survivor of the Alamo buried in our city cemetery. And wow. so we have a whole theme, we have a whole other tour themed on Texas independence. And then we did a whole tour of uh, strong women, people who were, uh, one gal who was a bookkeeper for a bunch of cattle barons, and she goes, these guys are making money hand over fist, I can do this, and she made a ton of money running cattle, and was the first woman to ever do it. You know, and it just, and uh, we have a governor here in town whose name was Stephen Hogg. And when he became governor, he, he was a widower, so his 19-year-old daughter became the first lady of Texas. And her name was I'm a Hog. Uh-huh. 
somebody had a sense and, of humor here. Um, yeah, well, it, so anyway. Uh, yeah, so it isn't just one day of the year or anything like that. If you have a good preservation program, then you're raising awareness. Uh, we work with people from different cultures. Black History Month, of course, we're, we're focusing on the, the, the civic leaders as well as the guy that swept the streets. You know, everybody has got level standing, as it were, in the cemetery. Are you a governor or a trash man? So, <clears throat> great, great story, great education. So, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make a couple of comments because, you know, this is, this is, uh, this is my fun part of the story, my fun part where I get to do what I do. First of all, I think that your best audience is young people, and I suppose we'd have to choose an age when people would be okay with going into a cemetery. They wouldn't be too young, but they wouldn't be too old to have gotten removed from it. So I think you educating young people about the value of the history and the architecture and the artistic element in tombstones, I think that really belongs to an age group and getting a school in particular interested in it I think would be a great benefit, not just to you and your cause, because your cause is lovely, it's wonderful, it's really about the love story you saw between your parents, but also because um, the stigma and the lack of understanding about death is something that can be handled in such a way that it's not fearful or filled with taboos. So that's the first piece that I see. And then the second thing is is that I think that I think that people have lost the romance. I mean, your story is an incredibly romantic story of um, your parents' love for one another. And I am really sorry that your mother was so financially strapped that she regretted the fact that she had to spend that money for her husband's funeral with six children in tow. That's a terrible way to feel, and that just isn't right. Um, so somehow or another, I think that part of that story serves as the inspiration, and so I have to believe that everything works together for good, so I have to believe that it really is okay. And then mm-hmm. the next part of the story is is that I think that <clears throat> I think you really are an old soul, and there have been moments when I've posted random objects and said, okay, what does this story say? And you said some of the most perfect things, and you really, really got it. So I really think that you are intuitive, you are psychic, and you are joined to this project in a way that is very different. It is a spiritual principle at play for you for saving the history of family. And so for you, cemeteries are not just about the process of the land and the ownership and arguing with the Parks and Recs Department about the cost of maintaining these things. It's really a spiritual journey for you to find a way to support a family to understand their origins and what it really means to be buried and to have come from an area. Because it is much, much more. It is beyond spirituality, religion, or our connectedness to our ancestors. It really is about the human story. So I think that you need to be focused on the greater purpose involved in this situation and I don't know how you're going to go about that because the drudgery of administrative paperwork is enough to choke the passion out of any human being. <laughs> and I just, 
I just hope and pray that you can withstand that. But I know you say that there is not supposed to be a particular time, but I think thematically people really need um, some sort of a motivation in order to go into uh, that sort of a tour and actually have their own experience and um, connect to the cemetery, not just as a place where you um, put people into the ground so that they don't um, cause a cholera epidemic, um, but to connect to it as a place of rest and a place of being connected. So what a great journey you have here. And I really, Mm -hmm. you know, would like to hear you tell us how we could get more information because um, you were in an article in the AARP, and for those people that are so young to not know what the AARP is, please explain your article. So um, um, about a year and a half ago, I got interviewed uh, for the AARP, which is the uh, American Association of Retired Persons, I believe. Um, And uh, so they came out and talked to me and, they photographed me when we were working on a, uh, a, a restoration project. We were cleaning a headstone that was laying flat on the ground. It was a young child who died, and a marble headstone was broken in several pieces. And so they talked to me about what it was like being a firefighter. I was a firefighter for the city of Austin. I worked one day on and two days off. And in my days off, um, I wanted something to do, so I re- realigned myself with my passion of old cemeteries and I would drive around looking for them and, and trying to document them better and making sure that, that people at the state and county level had the information that I had because a lot of times the information was outdated or more people had been buried there. Or in some cases, the cemetery was gone. There was no record of it anymore, whether it was legally moved to a, another site or not. Sometimes I've, I've discovered that, but I've got a whole stack of things that I've got clues but no answers. So I tell people it's like a, working a big jigsaw puzzle without the benefit of the picture of the box. Okay. You know, at this time, I come in and just like you do on a jigsaw puzzle, you walk by and you think about it and then you find a piece that fits. And so right now I am, I've, I've got the jigsaw puzzle and I'm putting some pieces in and uh, other people are now putting pieces in and at some point, I walk away from it, and eventually, maybe we'll we'll see some of some more of the big picture. I don't think we'll see it all, but we're leaving pieces on the table so people who come in behind me will can see where I where I was at and where they could possibly take it to. Does that make sense? Yes, but tell me what the AARP article did for your business of preserving. Oh man, I, I've gotten—I just got an email the other day from a guy in New York City who uh, <laughs> operates a Jewish cemetery, and he's wanting to know how he can can better engage his volunteers. And so I've heard from people all over the United States. I've heard from people I grew up with in high school that are finding me on Facebook because of wow. because of this thing. And so, but uh, the big thing is it's 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 creating that network where I can share my experiences and my resources that I've discovered over time with other people and hopefully save them some of the time that it took me to develop those skills that they can develop them more rapidly and more importantly 
share those skills with, like you said, the younger generation. And so that when it's time for me to step down or when I change consciousness, um, then, you know, there's some work that's left behind. Oh, by the way, I, I, I'm choosing cremation. You know why I'm choosing cremation? Tell me. Because it's my last chance for a smoking hot body. <laughs> you are bad. You are just bad. Okay, listen. Yeah, promote yourself one last time, and then you and I are going to end our call, and I'm going to go on to astrology. Please feel free to listen in. But you have sure. been fabulous. It has been so nice to talk to you, and you've been really quite generous. And, um, you know, promote yourself one last time and talk about your Facebook page quickly. All right, so um, um, you can find me on Facebook. I'm daleflat at AOL.com. You can reach me through uh, the, the nonprofit 501c3 called Save Austin Cemeteries, okay. SACHome.org. I finally rotated off the board, and, and there's a whole group of people that it's, after 15, 16 years, they're running with it. Um, okay. uh, I tell people, go look on Find a Grave. Uh, go to the Association of Gravestone Studies. There's a lot of things out there. If you're interested in funeral homes and, and the way of cemeteries, uh, The American Way of Death Revisited is a good book to really understand that. If you're a cemeterian, uh, a cemetery should be forever. Again, an $18, $19 book. If you want to know the history of cemeteries in the United States, a, a great book that just came out is called Cemetery Law. And it was published by uh, Tanya Marsh and Daniel Gibson. Uh, very inexpensive book that will take you through cemeteries from the days of England through the colonies and up to, the, up to today and help you understand why in some cemeteries, like you said, people were buried for five years and they were dug up, their bones were put in an ostuary and they were used for space. Uh, it's a, right. it's, sometimes it can be a technical read, but if you bounce around, you'll get the big picture. And so I'm, I'm glad that there are several books that are being published on the subject uh, that are good and not just a bunch of fluff. And you can find that stuff on Amazon. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You were fabulous. You made it interesting. And I feel like I learned a lot today. And um, I would love to have and you come back and share more. Sure. Next time you see my younger, less handsome brother, Michael, tell him I said hi. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Okay, okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much. Oh, wow. Um, he makes me laugh. I don't even know why. He has like a, uh, a spot there. So we're now, we're all set to do astrology with my daughter. And, Katrina, are you there? Are you? I'm here. Hi, How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, where are we in astrology? Well, um, I had I had a couple. We could still talk about some of those retrogrades going on, but I think it's more appropriate uh, to talk about what's actually happening today. Today, that um, we've been talking about some of those retrogrades that are upcoming and continuing. But um, you had the perfect guest on to talk about the Scorpio supermoon that's happening today. So <laughs> always, how appropriate always, to talk about always, death and. Yeah, oh, have someone so comfortable with death and talk about the Scorpio moon. <laughs> oh, my God. And you know I don't plan it. You know I don't plan it. I know. Every time, every week. So, I know. Yeah. good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Perfect. you very much. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. All right, so we have a Scorpio full moon. A Scorpio, yeah, super full moon. So it's our last super moon of the year. And a super moon just means that the moon's closer to the Earth, so it appears a lot bigger. Um, I saw part of, you know, it's not, it's a full moon tonight, but last night I walked out and saw, and I was just like, gosh, that moon looks just ginormous. So it's already started, we know, a few days before and a few days after we feel those energy effects and see it. So, yeah, so it's a good, um, I, I mean, I particularly like the message of this full moon because it's, kind of guiding us to honor the beauty of endings and it's like a cleansing, um, you know, event for preparing us for what's coming up. I think with some of these retrogrades and then we have a couple of eclipses coming up in, in June. So it's really just helping us to let go of what's, you know, not serving us, making us feel stuck. Um, it's asking us to really, you know, Scorpio is, an intuitive sign. It's a water sign. So it's really asking us to tap into that intuition. Um, A lot of us have been focusing on our physical health right now, right? Keeping ourselves healthy and our immunity strong. Um, But now it's kind of a time to look at our energetic health and our, our spiritual health. Okay. So, um, Scorpio, you know, it symbolizes that transformation is always possible. Um, As we kind of go through these transformations and we're kind of at the end, you know, we always say hindsight is 20-20. At the end, all things make sense. So kind of gives us a new perspective on how things fit together and just, you know, being able to surrender. um, If we're able to surrender and kind of, allow that peace and calm that that chapter is over, um, you know, I think we can, we can always learn a lot of good things and kind of gives that sense of closure. Okay. Okay. That's, that's really good. But give, give me a direct practical result of this super full moon. What is the etiquette on it? Do we make a wish? Can we make a wish for ourselves? Um, so there's always a lot of good things to do during a full moon. It's, um, yeah, journaling. Wishes or new beginnings are usually at a new moon. So full moon is usually journaling about what you want to let go. Um, a lot of people cleanse their crystals or do a meditative, um, you know, cleansing like a bath practice. So it's about a time of writing down what you want to let go, um, burning a letter. So you know, you, you write something down and then you burn it to release it. So okay. that's always a good one and, and um, is cathartic, right? So the, the mantra that I have is kind of honoring the endings and keeping in your heart the promise of new beginnings because as we know wow. with every ending, there's always a new beginning. Right. Okay. So... How long do we have? I mean, like I always say a full moon is most powerful the day before the full moon, the day of, and the day after. I mean, obviously the day of makes total sense, but then the day before and the day after. But I really feel it. I feel it in those, you know, those three days. It's really strong. Yeah, I'd agree with that. 
just the day before and the day after. Also because, like, we're in different time zones, so it goes into a full moon at different times over those three days for different parts of the world. Okay. Okay, good. All right, any great advice for us about the benefit that we could get from this full moon? So I think, um, well, I found this quote by Rumi that I really like, and he says, don't grieve for everything. Don't grieve for everything you love comes around in another form. Mm -hmm. So I like that, you know, it's just giving us um, something to look forward to as we let go of, you know, things that we no longer need. So we no longer need to, um, obviously, I really want to encourage everybody to follow the rules and follow the suggested guidelines for what's happening here in the pandemic. But this is also a way to assist us to close this chapter. That's the feeling I'm getting from what you're saying. It's not the end or the be-all or anything that I'm suggesting you not follow the rules. It just looks like this is an assisting tool. Yeah, I'd agree with that. And there's a lot of things coming up that are happening that I think um, – I'll be able to give you some insight on next week and we can talk about how this Scorpio moon allows us to let go to prepare for those other things coming up. So yeah, just, um, we're going to, we're going to be extra sensitive during this time. Um, so I, I do like those, made those suggestions of what people can do, writing, writing, kind of letting things go, doing those rituals, those things that kind of help us have structure and, um, give meaning, right? Right. We honor the time frames. We, we do certain things on a, at certain times, and this gives us a perspective, and it's the same. We repeat these themes over and over again, and that's what gives us stability and gives us continuity in our world. We know these rituals, and these rituals support us in order to go forward in the human experience because it is about life. Yeah. Yeah, so really good. Well, thank you very, very much. And uh, will you, I'm so sorry we didn't give you enough time today. Let me, um, let me make it up to you next time. Next time we'll go into details and spend longer on the conversation. No, no, it was perfect. It tied into your guests, so I love it. Yeah, we've got, there's always stuff going on in astrology, so always plenty to talk about. We could have a whole show, but, you know, I like just jumping in at the end because it always ties to what you're talking to your guests about. I'm, I'm, I'm I just am amazed every time. It's so perfect. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you, sweetheart. You're great. All right. You have been talking. Thanks. You've been talking with the Deep Psychic. This is the Deep Psychic Reading. You can reach me at the Deep Psychic Reading at gmail.com. You can always call me personally, 714-400-7384. Thank you. I hope you are blessed and prospered and enlightened as the result of listening to this show. And as always, you're welcome to contact me and tell me you've got great inspiration and give me suggestions for a show. Thank you so much. Have a great day, and I'll be back next week. Thank you. Become a Goldilocks Productions VIP patron. Receive exclusive access to live stream special and other epic packs. Join the Goldilocks Productions VIP community today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. 
Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 